Oh, hi there. Ollie Anderson here. You're listening to Creative Status. This is a podcast about using creativity to improve your life by allowing you to have a deeper relationship with yourself as the creative process takes you towards wholeness or realness or connection to yourself, others, and life itself. My name is Ollie Anderson. If you don't know, I'm a creative performance coach, help people to bring more realness into their lives and business. Creativity is the vehicle for doing that. Every episode of this podcast, I interview somebody about life, creativity, what it's all about, how things connect. Today's episode is no different. I'm interviewing Aileen. She is a coach and a healer and a writer. She does loads of amazing stuff. And the main theme of this conversation is spaciousness, making space for life to do what life does and for you to do what you need to do, being real. Loads of cool insight. Won't say too much. Hope you enjoy this episode. Here it is. Boom. Oh, hi there, Aileen. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Creative Status. I have a feeling this is going to be quite a deep conversation and we're going to go down various rabbit holes and explore various avenues. But before we do, would you like to introduce yourself? So tell people who you are, what you're all about, what you want to get out of this conversation and anything else that you want to throw into the mix. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on your show, Ole. Super excited to talk to you today. And uh, my name is Aline. I am a spiritual guide, healer, and teacher. And my work is to help people to establish solid foundations for spiritual growth and self-fulfillment, mm. to develop this direct and self-sustained connection uh, with the divine that we don't need any intermediaries but we do need to activate a few things in us that are dormant so to speak mm-hmm. uh, so so that is what i focus on to bring people back to the divine within themselves well that sounds super interesting already so let's get right into it so when you talk about these solid foundations mm-hmm. what kind of thing are you talking about so i have developed in my work and in my personal life uh, four pillars, uh, four foundations that are spaciousness, love, connection, and devotion. Wow. So, so I focus on this four. And there are so many subtopics within each one of them and different practices that we can do energetically to expand each. Uh, what I like to f- highlight here is this concept of foundations because so much of life is based on things that are invisible but we don't see. Uh, we we put so much attention in our senses on what we can see and touch, but all those things are just results of things that exist in more invisible and subtle way. Mm. So uh, in the creativity aspect, the table that is in front of me right here, right now, came from a human mind, you know? Somebody mm. had an idea of how they wanted this table to be and had a an idea that became a concept, that became a draft, that became mm-hmm. a real product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same thing with, is with love. The expression of love starts within ourselves. And the same thing with houses. Foundations is what support houses. If we don't have strong foundations, the house crumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't put enough attention into those things that are supporting everything we create in our lives. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is something that I've thought and said loads of times probably now in this podcast. Like... Ultimately, there's a distinction between the world that we perceive and interpret and think we live in and reality itself. And if you take the world at face value, well, if that world is a product of 
unreal thinking and unreal emotions, like you've said, that have led people to design or to create things that are a reflection of the disconnection within themselves between, mm-hmm. you know, who they really are and divinity or wholeness or whatever else, then it becomes a case of if you put real in, you get real out. And if you put unreal in, you get unreal out. And a lot of the time, we're running around living unreal lives without realizing because exactly like I think you're saying, we think that the world is a consequence of itself rather than the consequence of the way we think about it. Something like that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And most of the times we're unconscious of what we're creating. We're just repeating Mm. emotional patterns. And that doesn't mean we're not creating. That just means we're creating out of alignment and creating unnecessarily things that are for our highest good. And sometimes we need to crash and have much suffering in life to realize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, not everybody has to go down that path. Uh, at the same time, um, I mean, I'm a terrible artist in, like, in terms of like, uh, I cannot draw or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which I think is a great example <laughs> of what I'm about to illustrate here. Because if I draw something, I was thinking about what I was going to draw first. I had an intention at least, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my intention is much stronger and pure than what comes to paper. Mm-hmm. Which means that what is in the paper is just a symbol of the real thing. The real thing only exists in the invisible. Mm-hmm. the archetype the real thing is never real <laughs> or it is it is super real but whatever we're creating in the world is just a um is, is a prototype of something that is much pure and is stronger within us if that yeah. makes sense yeah 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 100 sorry the audio went a little bit funny there yeah so the way that i see it is when we're creating something and it can be anything it can be our lives it can be like a a drawing on a piece of paper, like you said, it can be a book, whatever it is, it's not just about us as individuals. And if we think it is, that is when we kind of end up diluting the potency of whatever it is that we create. We stop it from being as real as it possibly can be because we put more of our ego basically into the mix, into the creative process. And if you think about it, the ego is just the idea that we are creating things purely by by ourselves, that we're creating everything alone. But actually, the creative process is more about interdependence. It's about connection between us and life and divinity or wholeness or whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. And when we do put things on paper or we create whatever it is, we have to be open to allowing things to come into the process that are beyond just our ideas about ourselves. And I know that's a really convoluted way of of going about it, the way way I've just described it. But what I'm saying is, if you think that you are responsible for creating everything in your life, in the way that where we think that it's just about our ideas and our concepts, more than the experience and the learning and the evolution and blah, 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 then we can't create anything real because we're just trying to control the process too much. So yeah, how does that fit into your view? Yes, I mean, everything is relationships in this life. There's no such thing that is not relationships. Everything is constantly talking to us, including ourselves, including our hearts, our bodies. Um, There's no such thing as this kind of separation uh, Mm. that we are single individuals. And, of course, the relationship starts with ourselves. We are multi-conscious beings. There's a lot of things happening within us. And Mm. then we can extrapolate to 
our ability to listen to nature, to relate at this um, deepest level with any type of energy or people or in any kind of layer that we would like to to go. So, so understanding this um, oneness, because uh, everything requires the whole life, like life is co-creation to a point that everything we do mm. requires the whole of existence to conspire for it yes. to be possible, you know, like yeah. just having the stable in front of me, how many people were involved to have this, mm-hmm. you know, like somebody had to go to the, the tree, somebody cut it and somebody take, took care of it. And then somebody designed it and somebody had to take it to the store. Somebody had to work on the store. Like if we start analyzing the <laughs> amount of operations for anything to exist, we realize like the whole universe has to work for things too. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like at, at the smallest, uh, simplest ways. Um, and if we think about everything that this simple table allows me to create, like I can work here, I can write here, I can eat here, I can invite my friends and have a gathering here on this table, like all mm-hmm. the possibilities, mm-hmm. like the infinite mm-hmm. possibilities of every single object, the amount of life that everything comes with and supports. Mm-hmm. I just find it absurd if we allow ourselves <laughs> to tap into that, the whole universe is with us at every single second. Yes, yes. Yeah. And the only thing that stops us from engaging with that process that is constantly unfolding is our thoughts and ideas about who we are like if we have a uh, if we create a false identity based on our underlying emotional stuff and blah 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 blah, then ultimately we become fragmented and we stop ourselves or hold ourselves back from that natural uh, relationship where everything is feeding off of everything else and if you feed back into it it will feed you back even more. You can tap into abundance and all that stuff. And I think the creative process is ultimately about returning to that state. That's how I now see it. So at the start of a creative journey, we're normally more fragmented than we are at the end of that journey when we've returned a little bit more closely towards wholeness. And the more whole we become, the more I would assume we're aligned with these four pillars and the foundations that you're talking about. I think that ultimately is our natural state, wholeness, and the solid, the, the most solid foundation we can have is a real relationship with that wholeness, with that connection to it. So let's, should we break down your pillars, like one by one? Yeah. So you said it's spaciousness, love, connection, and devotion. Was that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, I love spaciousness. Uh, it is my very favorite one. Um, I just, you know, we live in such a vast universe and Earth is so enormous as well like the deserts and the oceans and somehow like the heart is spacious as well if we compare our hearts with our minds mm-hmm. and, and somehow we manage to create lives that are very busy and cluttered uh, we go into our living rooms and don't have space to just walk without bumping <laughs> into something you know mm-hmm. uh, and that blows my mind because life doesn't happen to us it happens through us so we have to make space for it to be able to come in and out mm-hmm. just as we breathe in and out just as, as we create and we receive and give you know for me this the circulation of life when we get stuck mm-hmm. it really harms us mm-hmm. uh, you know when when we are judging ourselves and we cannot allow our creativity 
to flourish because we are holding it back. We're judging ourselves. We're scared. Or when we also just keep on receiving things, but we never give either. That also creates a weight in our hearts. So for me, life is something that is always flowing. And so many people tell me they want to flow with life. Well, then make space for it to be able to flow. Uh, let things go and let things come in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So just to keep it simple so we can unpack it a little bit more, what would you say is your definition of spaciousness in this context? Uh, in terms of spirituality, I connect spaciousness a lot with purification. It is the idea that we have too much energy clogging us and it can be mental models. It can be things waiting on our hearts, things we cannot forgive and forget. All these things, uh, they are cluttered. They are energetic clutter inside of us that causes suffering. 100% agrees. So when I'm talking about all this stuff, I like to break everything down into wholeness and fragmentation, like I've already said a billion times, but also... It's either real or unreal. Real is that we're moving towards wholeness or we're connected to it. Unreal is that we've picked up fragments that are preventing us from flowing in the way that you're talking about. And I think a simple way to understand it is that the more we become attached to our own fragmentation because of our underlying emotional stuff, which is normally shame, guilt, and trauma, the more attached we become to the fragments, the more unnecessary tension and friction we add to our experience of life. But the good news is all of that uh, unreal friction, which eventually turns to frustration and misery, is just something that we can let go. We can release it if we can learn to see and perceive in a, a real way. And I think based on what you're saying, perceiving in this real way is that we are seeing the space, right? the space everywhere. And we're holding onto all of the stuff that makes it seem like there is no space. So if that's true, how do we start to increase the spaciousness that we experience in our lives? Well, there's so many different techniques that we can use for that, uh, from meditation to mindfulness practices, mm. uh, to be more intentional about what we're doing, mm. being always in alignment of why am I doing what I'm, I'm doing? Just the, the action of getting out of autopilot creates mm -hmm. spaciousness. Um, breathing, deep breathing, pranayama, breath work creates a lot of space in our hearts. Mm -hmm. um, relaxing our bodies, you know, mm -hmm. creating like this uh, releasing tension and good posture. Because when we are all contracted in our posture, we are actually pressing our nervous system. And we do start getting more anxious um, because our nervous system cannot communicate well in our body. So simple things like posture and relaxing our bodies can have tremendous effects in our mental and emotional well-being. Mm. So is, is a lot of it just getting back into our bodies? So it seems like a lot of your work is, is about getting out of our heads, getting away from the mental chatter and all of the, you know, the autopilot hamster wheel conditioning that we picked up and kind of returning mm -hmm. just to the presence of our bodies. Or is it a bit deeper than that? Uh, no, it, it goes much deeper than that in the sense that, well, we're not our thoughts. We have thoughts. We are not our emotions. We have emotions. We are not our desires. We have desires. And we are not our bodies. We have bodies. Mm -hmm. So we're clearing these things, clearing the space in our bodies, clearing the space in our minds, just so we can get to our hearts. Because that's the place where we can connect to something much bigger. Mm -hmm. um, so 
that's the clearing there because otherwise we get um, caught up by this pain here in the shoulder, this other thing there. Like all these things keep just getting our attention constantly. Mm-hmm. And like allowing those things to stop catching ourselves so much so that we mm-hmm. can drop into the heart. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of getting more like self-mastery, so to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So normally when I'm thinking about self-mastery, it's down to two basic things, I guess. Mastery of like our biological wiring, like our instincts and like our urges and all that kind of stuff. And then also mastery of our social conditioning and like all of the assumptions we might have picked up about what life is, who we're supposed to be, blah, 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 blah. And if you can strip that stuff away and master it, release some of the unnecessary tension that we pick up because of our ego shit, basically, then we can kind of relax into this flow that you're talking about. But a question I wanted to ask you is, mm. do you think, is, is spaciousness the natural state of the universe? So one thing I've seen in my life is when you get to this point where you understand your inherent connection to wholeness at all times, you realize that a lot of the the things that we perceive to be problems in life or the obstacles or the challenges or whatever else, they only exist as problems because of our interpretations, our judgments of good and bad and blah, blah, blah. And if you can step away from that stuff, well, first of all, the problem kind of dissolves because our relationship to it dissolves. But you see that in the spaciousness or in the whole, everything is just kind of perfectly imperfect. And like, you just have to kind of go with it. And if you can do that, you'll st- you still might have challenges and stuff in life that you're going to grow through and become purified in the, the language that you used. Mm. But there's no longer the tension of adding problems because actually there are no problems, if that makes sense. Well, the, yeah, there there are f- things happening, <laughs> you know, and uh, definitely with spaciousness, one of the things is this ability to zoom out. Mm-hmm. When we zoom out, we're creating space. Mm-hmm. We're not in this narrow perspective anymore. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So linking to what you said, like w- when I was saying before, we're, we're not our minds, we're not our bodies, we're not our emotions, we're not our desires. Like this is where the, all the conditioning is. Mm-hmm. And as long as we are expanding as people, as consciousness, then mm-hmm. spaciousness is the natural state. Mm-hmm. But we need to choose expansion because we can also choose contraction at any given moment. Uh, mm-hmm. We have free will for that. So mm-hmm. so that's what we see so much um, in many humans living in cluttered lives, be it be it in their bodies, be it in their schedules, be it in their homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can always choose to mm. not allow things to flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think all that contraction in whatever form it shows up, it's an attempt to control life, to resist the flow. So the expansion, mm. I would say, is, is the natural state. Everything is constantly moving towards wholeness. We all as individuals have a natural drive to move towards more wholeness, more connection, blah, blah, blah. But because of our fear because of our emotional stuff and you know all the assumptions we picked up about our own limitations and blah, blah, blah. Because of all that stuff, we think that contraction or shrinking away from ourselves and from life is going to save us. But that's really just a survival mechanism. And so 
I would personally say that contraction is never real. It seems real. It seems like that's what we need to do, but it's always a product of our belief that being unreal is going to save us when actually that's the only problem. Well, I mean, we don't perceive it as unreal, right? We perceive it as very real at that moment that yeah, yeah, we're well, actually yeah. experiencing it. Um, and understanding this amount of suffering that some people can go through, because what is it that, why they choose contraction? What, what kind of fear do they have? And there's so many different fears that I, I find it understandable. Doesn't mean I condone them, but for instance, the fear of the responsibility, because mm -hmm. once you expand, you have a lot of responsibility over your life. You cannot victimize mm -hmm. yourself any longer. Uh, and responsibility is not exactly something many humans enjoy. Um, <laughs> many of us have issues with the word work. Uh, and this path requires a lot of work on ourselves. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. not always nice. So, so that is one thing. Um, another thing is, well, Life is very powerful. It's a lot of energy to take in. Mm. Um, I know many people, I've, I've had many clients who actually struggle with the ability to just accept mm. life to that extent mm. yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's so big. The amount of energy that we can receive is so big. Light is so powerful in the sense mm. that it overwhelms some people's uh, nervous system. People get mm -hmm. literally physically triggered, you know. Um, it it's, makes them tense. That's why mm. we are so tense, actually. Mm. Mm. Um, so the ability to relax also helps with that because mm. to be able to take in life, we need to let it flow and it cannot mm. flow if we mm. tense up. Mm, so yeah. energetically speaking there is this thing is it's very powerful mm. and we oftentimes don't feel we are that powerful mm. and mm. understanding that we're so much bigger than whatever we call that is a problem understanding our dimensions mm. it's something that unfortunately most people haven't tapped into to understand mm. how big they truly are yeah 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 mm. yeah i think when people feel threatened or triggered by life It's always, it's almost always because life is ultimately showing them that whatever illusions they carry because of the identity that they've picked up and conditioned themselves with, those illusions, which are often useful illusions because they help them to feel that they're going to survive in the future and that they're yeah. going to be able to deal with life, blah, blah, blah. Life basically shows that those illusions are unreal, that they're untrue. And so we have to let go of them. But if we let go of the illusions, which the identity is founded upon, then we have to go through this whole process of redesigning our relationship with ourselves, reconfiguring our relationship with reality. And it comes down to this thing that I'm always saying, like the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off and make you miserable. And for sure. Yeah. And it's about riding through that, that process. But in order to get onto your second pillar, sorry, like how does... <laughs> <laughs> how does all of this stuff feed into the second pillar which is love because i mm. well I, I'll, i'll let you answer sorry but like yeah how does uh the second pillar come into all this uh love here is very different from romantic love or anything that people uh, yeah, yeah. think about love uh, uh love is consciousness mm. it is a deeper understanding of the whole picture mm. Mm. um The metaphor that I enjoy using for love the most is uh, nurturing, like nurturing a plant. If you have a plant at home, um, love wants that which it loves to grow and thrive, mm -hmm. which means there is a dosage. And love is consciousness. Love is the understanding of the dosage. Mm -hmm. 
because if you have a plant, you know that if you don't give water to it, it will die. But if you overwater it, it will also die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. love is not doing anything, your beloved ones, because that is not nurturing of the person or yourself or the relationship. Mm. So love can be much, um, I mean, love is super warm, but love can also be much colder than what people expect love to be mm -hmm. because love knows when it's not right and yeah. love can cut it. And love is not always saying yes. Or if you think about a mother uh, taking care of her child and the child only wants ice cream, Mm. Um, the parent has to be able to say no, like enough, you know, this is not good for you. And this is love. It wouldn't be loving to just say yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, ultimately it sounds like what you're saying is it's about balance or something like you're constantly calibrating the right dose of realness or love that you need to mm -hmm. give people. And I suppose I always bring it back to the ego thing, sorry, but if the ego mm -hmm. gets involved, that's when you're going to be out of balance. You're going to be saying yes all the time. You're going to be saying no all the time. A lot of codependent relationships are basically built on that principle of a lack of balance because of the emotional stuff people are carrying, something like that. No, for sure. And this also, I mean, love is not only love with others, but love with ourselves, like self-love. Mm -hmm. uh, some people think self-love is cutting themselves slack. Mm -hmm. And I don't see how allowing myself to have a massage every time I want to have a massage instead of working on the book I want to write is self-loving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, because this is not nurturing of my best interest. Yes. Sometimes I might need a massage. I'm not saying it's never good to rest. Sometimes mm -hmm. we need to rest. But mm -hmm. people are using rest and this excuse that those things are self-love yeah. as yeah, coping mechanisms yeah, yeah. to not deal with the stuff they actually want yes i am so um, happy to hear you say that like yeah. that it's it it's so true like there's so much nonsense out there where people are kind of using these spiritual principles as a, an excuse to keep hiding from themselves and to keep going back into their own ego stuff and their conditioning like yeah sometimes you might need a massage but ultimately the most loving thing you can do is to see the potential either in other people or in yourself and to then find ways to move towards that potential. If, if that yeah. potential is more wholeness, more realness. Absolutely. And I, I, the hardest thing here in practice for many people is to accept that there's no such thing that is always loving. Mm -hmm. Love changes situation by situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. will support that to thrive changes situation by situation. So there's no such thing as mm -hmm. if I always do this, like love has to be like that. Like, mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. Love love discerns between what is best situation by situation. Yes. It's, it's ultimately, yeah. it's, it's meeting people where they are, but also mm -hmm. understanding, you know, where, where have you been? Where are you going? And it's, it's, I know like past, present, and future, like they're just concepts. And ultimately it's always now, but actually when we've been real, we can mold now so that we're moving towards the future that we want. And yes. because everybody is constantly on this journey, we keep talking about of moving towards more wholeness, more expansion, the way that love will show up in their lives or the way that they need to receive love is going to evolve as well. Because one moment you might need nurturing another moment you might need a kick in the ass or some motivation whatever it is and it's about being able to adapt in that way because real life reality it's not static is it you're 100 right so if your ideas of love are static well you're going to stagnate basically yeah exactly the only the only constant is impermanence so mm -hmm. that applies to everything
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's unloving to expect things to stay the same. That's yes, what. for sure. That's, yeah. That is a uh, fear based, which is the exact opposite of love. Yeah. Yeah. It's control freakery. So mm-hmm. we've done the spacious thing. We've done the love thing. This third pillar that you've got is about connection. Yes. So can you uh, elaborate on that a bit, please? Um, connection exists in multiple layers. So starting with uh, self-connection, uh, the understanding of what we value, what we want, what we really long for. Um, I see many people looking for clarity as if it was a mental thing. But clarity is a result of self-connection. The more you know yourself, the more you know your next step and what you want. Um, and you can honor that. And, uh, and then we go to relationship with uh, everybody around us. So connecting to our families, our friends, uh, mm. the more we can connect with ourselves, the better we can connect with others because the more we develop self-compassion and self-understanding, mm. the more we can offer that to people mm. around us from an authentic place, from understanding, from relating to people's suffering mm. and, and accepting things for what they are. Mm. Um, mm. And then we have connection with nature, connection to the trees, to the elements, uh, and also connection to the divine, to energies, uh, to anything more abstract, so to say. Yeah. yeah. To God, if you want to say so. So, mm. so there are multiple layers, and connection has a tremendous effect on our well being. When we feel disconnected, we feel alone, separate, not belonging. Mm. So, the more connected we feel, the more we see ourselves as part of oneness. And that brings such great well-being and safety in ourselves in a way as well. Yeah, yeah. I think um, most mental health problems, anxiety and depression, are often caused by that disconnection. Like, obviously, in some cases, you can say you've got a chemical imbalance, whatever it is. But I think a lot of anxiety is just caused by people being disconnected from themselves. So they create an ego version, a false version. They put that false version out into the world. And because it's not real, they keep getting this kind of negative feedback constantly from reality, which makes them anxious. And in relation to depression, I think often what's going on is they've taken themselves out of this natural flow towards wholeness that we keep talking about. Mm -hmm. And when they stop moving, that's when, you know, they become low energy and disconnected from life because the movement, even though it takes energy, it also charges you up. And so if you choose a real yeah. purpose for yourself, then you know, you know, you're not going to be anxious, you're not going to be depressed. Obviously, that's not in all cases, but I think in a lot of cases, this kind of connection you're talking about is the solution. Because it's the only problem you can have in life is being disconnected ultimately. That's what I think. So yeah. how yeah, can, I mean sorry. <laughs> sorry. So I was just gonna say how can people, you know, reconnect if they've become stuck and all that kind of stuff, like how do they reconnect to themselves and life and reality? Uh, I mean, they're, they're quite different ways. Depend- like, so for some people, it's easier to begin with nature. If they are having mm. a lot of issues, just going more mm. to nature and, and recovering the sense of everything is fine because mm. uh, disconnection many times come from yeah. a crazy amount of fear. Mm. So sometimes we need just to feel safe first. And like ground back and come back to this planet, you know, instead mm-hmm. of being locked in, in our homes and in our brains. So mm-hmm. allowing ourselves mm-hmm. to just go a little bit more outside and move our bodies, allowing the stagnation to move through. Uh, nature can be a great healer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then developing more the self-compassion. 
uh, how we are talking with ourselves. Mm. If we're judging ourselves too much, what is it our like self-dialogue? Mm. Mm. Because we cannot be loving with people if we're not being loving with ourselves. Mm. So we do need to work with our own connection mm. um, and just say nicer words to ourselves, be better mm. friends mm. to ourselves. Mm. So cultivating that, doing things that we love. Mm. Where do we find the fine line between self-compassion and, you know, not judging ourselves and all that stuff, but not lapsing into that mindset we were talking about a few minutes ago, mm -hmm. where yeah. we think we've been compassionate towards ourselves, but actually what we're doing is we're just making excuses or we're playing the victim or we whatever, so that we don't have to push through our, I guess, limitations perceived limitations and grow real do you know what i mean so if we, yeah. we get in yeah how do we calibrate that so this is about developing discernment which we can use for this and for many other things actually like just differentiating between our excuses and our reasons mm. and we do this through spaciousness actually because we need to develop those perspectives we need mm. to be able to zoom out and create space to see them mm. so the foundations are actually uh quite mm. interrelated in a way they're supporting each other to exist yeah yeah um, yeah no you're right so i think um it's like i said a few minutes ago like Reality is constantly giving us feedback. And if we feel a lot of friction in our lives, we feel a lot of frustration, we feel miserable, whatever, it's a sign that we're not being spacious enough, basically. We're adding a lot of unnecessary mental friction, tension, fragmentation. Yeah. And that ultimately is just feedback. It's a sign that we need to make changes. And if we've been compassionate in the right way, then we're going to keep moving, we're going to keep expanding, we're going to keep evolving. If things go wrong, well, we're not going to beat ourselves up. We're going to get up again and keep keep going, blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. if we get in that mindset you were talking about where, you know, we, we're going for a massage every day and we're pampering ourselves and all that stuff and it becomes out of balance, i.e. it's no longer self-love, it's more like uh, self-denial or something, even though it's dressed yeah. up as love, then the feedback we'll get from life will eventually become quite negative like we'll start to feel depressed or we'll start to feel like there's something missing we'll start to feel restless and it's because yeah. we're we're not calibrating our lives our relationship with life properly so does this well, sorry sorry and I mean, the way that I see it, like the, when we talk about those things, it's so much about our ability to be honest and honesty and honesty for me, like truth serves love. Mm. Love is not really love if it is self-deceiving. Mm. Um, so, so in that sense, I connect, um, consciousness is based mm. on truth yeah, because yeah. it is being able to see this bigger picture and that's why love can be firm. Mm. So, so again, like if we mm. understand what love is and what it brings, mm. then we cannot really lie in, yeah. in, to that extent. Yeah, totally agree. This all comes back to the truth, ultimately. There's the thing that the hippies used to say in the 70s, love is God is truth, or truth is God is love, or whichever mm. combination you throw in there. It's all It all comes down to the truth. And you're either mm. moving with the truth and trusting the truth and allowing the truth to live through you in the way that you talked about, or you're not. And if, you, if you're not, then that's when you're going to feel miserable and have a bad time. So is this a good segue into the devotion thing? Because Yes. Yes. Okay. So how, how do we open that up then? 
Um, devotion to allow ourselves to live divinely, to live as the divine yeah. beings that we are, living yeah. our lives fully. Mm. Um, devotion is devotion to ourselves, mm. devotion to life, mm. to give us ourselves fully, to surrender to the deepest longings of our beings. That is living in devotion. It's living a hundred percent to surrender ourselves to ourselves, to stop struggling with ourselves. Mm. Um, one consequence of devotion, though, uh, that I love is that when we are devoted to something, we also become more committed and disciplined. Mm. And I know many people are allergic mm. to these words because we're living in a society that is so, like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, quite firm. Mm. Uh, but we can develop those um, virtues that are so incredibly powerful from our hearts, from mm. out of devotion to ourselves. Because if I love myself and I, I am connected to myself, I know what I want and I can give myself fully to myself mm. to live the life that I want. Mm. The only way is by being committed to myself, by showing up day after day. Otherwise, I'll just let myself down and not live divinely. Mm. So devotion comes with very high stakes. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Do you think there's, um, like there's an element where... It's kind of paradoxical because we are devoted to ourselves, but in that devotion to who we think we are, the only way we can truly surrender and to truly flow and to expand and to move towards more wholeness is to let go of ourselves. So earlier on, when you were talking yeah. about you know spaciousness, the ultimate spaciousness, I would say, is realizing that you, your ideas of who you are, like collectively, I mean, in general terms, is that you don't really exist as an idea. You are just an experience. And if you strip away all these ideas and labels and theories and ideologies and blah, 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 it's, it's exactly what you said. You are life. But the only way you can get to that point is to, to just let go of yourself. And then when you let go of yourself, that's when you find yourself, but yeah. you're not what you thought you were. If that, I know that sounds yeah uh, no but that's absolutely true and the whole spiritual path when, when we talk about spiritual growth is about know thyself mm -hmm. uh, but that is very abstract for many people like what the hell do they mean I know myself I am myself <laughs> that's like yeah no but we we go through certain exercises and experiences and, and rituals that show you that maybe you are not really who you think you are so it, it's something that it, it can be very tricky to talk on a mental level but we can mm. experience different sides of us and realize how our minds are controlling us mm. all the time mm. so this is connected uh, that's why I used the word purification before as well, because a lot of spiritual purification has to do with that, the, the sol mm. solving the ego to find the core, the mm. core that has always been there. But mm. there's so many layers of complexity that we have created that it's hard to access, but mm. it is possible to access it. We just need to do some clearing work. Mm. Uh, mm. So we just, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, I always clearing say, the house. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. What, what's real is always real. It's always there. Mm. And so a lot of this, um, this journey we're talking about, this process of returning back to spaciousness and love and connection and devotion, it's just about unlearning all of this extraneous stuff that we've picked up and all of the uh, unreal things that we perceive because of our fear. And so yeah. what would you say... Just to kind of wrap this up, what is the main barrier for most people to 
being on this path that you're talking about? Like, I know, I know it's different for everyone, but is there like a core theme or pattern that tends to lead to this separation? A fear. Fear. Fear is the... And then when they actually start on the path, um, committing to it can be very tricky because it is a path that requires showing up every day, consistency yeah. to the practices. Mm. Yeah. Then that's why devotion is one of the pillars because we absolutely need to be devoted to the path for it to work. Mm. Otherwise, it's just... It's just a fun day we had, a, a little, like a hobby, and it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is so true. Like, you have to be committed. What are some um, common pitfalls that might arise on this path? Because I've, I've seen this as well in my coaching practice. Like, you're right, like, people set out, things start going well. They, they start to realize, okay, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm aware now that I was holding myself back, blah, 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 blah. But then they will often be a relapse into old patterns that's just normal it's part mm. of the transformational process yes but you know what are some of those pitfalls and what can people do to prepare for them i guess so, so they can stay devoted to this path that you're on about especially in spiritual growth one pitfall that i see all the time is at, at one hand it's beautiful that spirituality is more accessible that you can go to yoga studios and meditations everywhere amazing Mm. On the other hand, that also makes it much harder for people to actually do the work because there's too many possibilities and they chop around and they play around mm. and never commit to anything. Wow. Yeah. And they think they are doing the work because they, they the ego is so clever. It wouldn't, <laughs> like, otherwise it wouldn't be doing its job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but people start on this path and start doing, going to all these kind of different events and trying out different lineages which allows oh. their ego to tell themselves that they are doing the work yeah. when in yeah. fact they are not. They yeah. are having fun experiences. Yeah, Instead yeah, of going yeah. to a concert, they're just trying something else. Yeah. But they are not going deep enough to actually have any real transformation. And that is one of the reasons why I work as a guide, because then I can make people stay on their path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> you know? what, yeah. What you said is so true. Like, I've noticed this myself. Like, people, they have assumptions or even desires about what they want the truth to be. And a lot of the time when people set out on this, journey because they're coming from the place of ego they think that they're so complicated and complex and that their case is so different and that they're a special snowflake that needs to do all these esoteric crazy things that they assume the truth is the same thing and so they constantly use the spiritual journey if you want to call it that as a distraction when it should always be a return to reality if you're distracting yourself with all these different things yeah. like you said then you're going in the wrong direction. But it's because they want it to be complicated because at the level of themselves, they want themselves to be complicated so they can feel special. It's still like an ego thing. And when it yeah. gets like that, it stops them from the core, core solution, in my opinion, which is to trust. You have to trust whatever it is that you commit to, basically. Like yes. there'll be some vehicle for you and your individual situation because we're all different, but all these different pathways lead back to the same thing. There'll be something you can commit to, but you just have to trust. So my final question, I guess, to sort of wrap this up, how can people trust the process more? Because it always comes down to that. Like at the end of all these podcasts, it's basically what I'm saying in every episode now. Like it's trust. You have to learn to yeah. trust. So how can people do that, do you think? Uh, no, I don't have a recipe for that. You have to just <laughs> trust and you, you have to mm. drop it a little bit, re like 
release it from your hand a bit and just let go. Mm. And we can start with a simple exercise sometimes, like just hold a ball on your hand. And if you turn your hand down and release the ball, it will just fall. That would be letting go. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can also just hold it on your hand and just release your hand, but with your hand palm facing up. So you're just letting it be. Mm. And sometimes we just need that to learn to let things be. Um, because sometimes the idea of having to let something go mm. and release control completely is, mm. is alien to many people. Mm. So mm. Yeah. there is no, there is no way. Like you, you have to trust, and <laughs> yeah. you, you just have to. I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't right. really know. Yeah. And and technically, if we actually think about it, it's not that difficult because the whole universe, like we wouldn't be able to live if we didn't trust things. Yeah, yeah. Living without trust makes people extremely damaged mm -hmm. you need to trust that there will be food in the supermarket otherwise you're going to live in panic mm -hmm. you know it's um we have trust we have that within ourselves we lose it when we overthink it yeah yeah like trust is the natural state ultimately like mm -hmm. it goes back to what we were saying earlier like there's problems blah 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 only exist in perception because of our fear and the ego filtering everything through it blah 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 and when you step back, you realize that anytime you're not trusting, anytime you're forcing things, anytime you're trying to assert your individual separate will on life, then you're not trusting. And so you're not being yeah. real because reality is just one big relationship, having a relationship with itself. And so all you can do is kind of go with it. And I, I totally get what you're saying. Like all you can do is trust. Like you can't really explain your way into it because it doesn't need an explanation. It's just something that you, you do like <laughs> it's all you can do like when it gets to that point you realize oh okay that's basically it i'm gonna trust because there's, there's, that's it there is no other way so yes. <laughs> aileen we've uh, we've covered a lot of stuff in this conversation uh we went through your four pillars spaciousness love connection devotion all this other stuff we just said how would you uh sum up this conversation have you got any final words of wisdom and can you also let people know where they can find you if they want to work with you as a guide or I don't know, to read your books or any of that stuff. Yeah. So this, for me, spiritual path is all about coming back to our hearts. Uh, and for that, I'd like to say the mind shouts and the heart whispers. So create spaciousness so you can hear the whispers of your heart. Mm -hmm. um, and the mind is busy and the heart is so spacious. Mm -hmm. um, the mind wants everything mm -hmm. and gets confused and the heart is very clear with mm. what it wants and it's so much simpler mm. than it might seem so mm. Mm. so i'll leave you with those yeah thoughts. that's awesome so maybe uh, and, uh sorry just like the trusting ultimately is about getting back in your heart maybe yeah 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 we can put it that way for sure that's beautiful okay. and uh, yeah you can find me on my website aleenram.com uh, I have a, a free guide called What is Spiritual Growth? If you would like to dive deeper into that. So it's alindram.com slash spiritual growth. Maybe we can put the links in the show notes. So Yep, 100%. Yep. We'll, we'll definitely cool. do that. So yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, it's been really good. And uh, I just really appreciate your time. It's been a really good one. Yeah, it was really fun talking to you today, Ali. Thank you for having me. Thanks again.